And now it's time for Rod and Real Radio with your hosts, Hop Along John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all-around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. If you love the outdoors, enjoy salt or freshwater fishing, this is the show for you. We'll cover most all of the fishing tournaments and events with special reports while providing you with the information you need as to how and where to experience the best fishing opportunities in Southern California. Baja, Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. Rod and Real Radio brought to you by El Cajon Ford at Broadway and Main or online at ElCajonFord.com. Whether it's time for a new or used car or truck or you need to take advantage of San Diego's best quick lane for service with genuine Ford parts, brand name tires at competitive prices, remember nobody beats El Cajon Ford. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Real Radio, the best stop on your Radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. Hey guys, welcome aboard. This is Captain Ron. This is Rod and Real Radio. We also have Wendy Tajahara. We got Stan Vandenberg. We got a great show lined up for tonight. We got something new for tonight, and I, I'm hoping it all comes together because. We got some upland bird hunting starting here the first of the month. And Wendy, remember you told me you went out scouting. You with me, Wendy? You hear me? I am. I am with you. Okay. Well, you went out. I'm scouting. here. And you told me you drove all the way to Barstow looking for Chucker, and you saw one bird, right? I saw one bird, a deer, and three jackrabbits. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I. I have a, we have a, we all three have a, have a good friend named Jim Matthews, who's probably the he does a, he does an outdoor news service, but he's really really good on upland bird hunting. He 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 has a hog report and a buck deer report, but his bird his birds are the best, and he's going to come on at six o'clock, and he's going to give us a complete rundown of all the rules and regs. You know, Wendy, have you have you stayed up on this different? different kind of shot you got to have in the field if you're hunting quail or chucker or both? You know, as a hunter, you have to keep up on it because it's forever changing and it's a pain in the butt. I mean, if you're on a refuge, it's one thing. If you're not, it's another. If you're, you know, in condor country, let or no let, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway, I, I was looking into them. And I realize it's totally a can of worms, and hopefully Jim is going to straighten the ball out tonight. I mean, well, there's enough worms out there. You've got to have a different can for everything you do. <laughs> <laughs> but I want you, everybody to know that these two guys, it's like this is like the old crew. It the is. Only, <laughs> the, only, the only person that's missing is, is, is Mike and Jan and Bruce. Yep. That's right. Yeah. What was that? That's right, you know, and... Uh, I actually still keep in touch with Mike. Awesome. Good. Yeah, well, I talked to Jan once in a while, and it's all good. But you guys went on some long-range fishing trips. Actually, Stan went on a long-ranger, and you went on a two-day. Am I right, Wendy? I just went on an overnight on options. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a lot happening now. This local yellowfin, I got a report summing up this evening on this local yellowfin tuna bite that the three-quarter-day boats and skiffs and everybody's catching. So 
Which one of you guys want to start off first about your, how about your five days, Dan? Well, I mean, that was, <laughs> that was pretty much as fun as it gets. Uh, Bobby Taft and I go way back, about 30 years fishing together, and, and we, we're really good friends. So I enjoy, you know, I've got two, two charter trips I run with Bobby every year, and this one, it's kind of become a legendary five-day trip for four straight years. We have just had bonus round fishing, and, and this one didn't, didn't, uh, didn't let anybody down. We kind of decided, well, that big bluefin is out there, and the guys are, it, it, bluefin fishing, as you know, is real hit and miss. Huh. Um, they're either up and they're going, and you can slide into a school, and some want to cooperate, or sometimes they don't. Uh, and you'll hit 50 schools and get none, and the next guy hits two schools, and one sticks with him for a while, and you get a, a boatload, you know. But that's just bluefin fishing. But I'll, the guys that go with me, for the most part, are pretty seasoned anglers, and uh, I had only a few newbies with me this trip. So we chose, let's just go fish with the bluefin. And, and we know that the yellowtail fishing in Southern California right now at the islands has been pretty much, much off the charts, really, really good. Uh, since you can't go to Bonitas and Cedros, man, who needs it? <laughs> go here. The yellowtail fishing has been off the hook. So we figured, well, let's just go play that game for a while and see where it lands. So we ended up going out to the island with Bobby and kind of got out there at Desperation Point or whatever, anchored up. In the morning, we started, you know, in the in the real gray. It would have to be about 4, 4.30 or 5, somewhere in there. Uh, with the flat falls and trying to get that, that big fish to bite, we had no biters until about probably 6 or 7 o'clock. Uh, and then it became a, pretty much a, a pick bite on the, on the fin bait. So your sardines, we had a really good bait, thankfully. Um, and it was just a, a slow two or three going, up to four going at a time, and it was either bluefin or, or a combination of bluefin and yellow uh, and yellowtail. The bluefin were uh, 25 to right at about, I think 60 was the big fish right at it. We didn't get any of the larger ones while we were doing that on the anchor. Um, we played around with that until, well, probably around 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock in the morning, uh, and then would pull the anchor and drove out and started chasing those big bluefin schools. And they were, there was just some enormous schools of fish out there. It's, it's amazing. Some of them are half a mile across. Um, they just don't want to stick and stay. Uh, we drug the, the yummy flyer through. We hung one on the yummy, and uh, it broke off. I, I hooked up uh, a, a live one. We had several live flyers that we, they had caught, and we got stitched up and drug across. We drug the live flyer right into the school, and they foamed on it and, and got a hold of that. And that ended up breaking off the whole rig. I think it got actually hit by another fish. Um, there was just too many fish on it. Uh, so we lost that one. We ended up pulling a, 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 the next day, I guess we went back in, did the same thing with the uh, getting hooked up on the reef there in the morning and, and desperation off the point there and, and started picking away at the yellowtail and uh, small bluefin, smaller bluefin again. And it, the bluefin just would, didn't want to play that much. So we ended up playing around with the yellowtail. And Bobby goes, say what? I heard, I heard that some of the boats are fishing out with 
actual kind of dropper loops down deep. Is that is that what was going on? They were, well, they, you weren't fly lining, were you? Tell me how you were fishing that that desperation reef there. Well, when there's a little bit of everything going on. They were actually eating the fin bait. I got two on uh, on just a fly line sardine, and making sure you got the live one. And and they didn't want heavy line. They weren't going to eat the heavier stuff. I got both the month thirty. Um, um, but that was the smaller fish. But a lot of the guys, when you get out there and we started drifting on that stuff, there's a way to attach your, uh, either in the night, we got glow baits from, the glow weights from uh, Leadmasters, um, and you can get it either in a banana, you know, that's, or a slider. Um, we put in, uh, you put a rubber band uh, through the end of your slider, weight, your, your, not your slider, the torpedo sinkers, and attach it to your line where it lays against the line where if you get a fish, it pops the rubber band off. And you're about four feet up, so you don't have to, it's, it's right there glowing with your bait in the dark. But we never get, couldn't get that fish going. We had anywhere from, I'd say, three or four ounces of weight on uh, 80 to 100-pound line up to 12 to 16-ounce weights going as deep as you could. And just on the drift like that, when you'd slide into those big schools, and then you'd see them underneath you. You'd get some of the fish would come underneath. They just didn't want to bite. But that's what the guys are doing to get them to go. You have to have a heavy-duty hook. Um, if you're going to look, you're looking to catch the fish that were caught, or like that 180 to 200 pound stuff that was out there. We were talking with several of the boats and yachts. Um, if you got a hook up on that fish, it was bigger units. Um, I was using the uh, what I used before is just a heavy-duty Gamagatsu live bait hook. Um, I actually had some blue ones that worked really, really well on that uh, blue fin, but uh, they didn't work this time so much. So uh, they just didn't want to bite. But if they want to go, um, you better get ready to go. you got to have the right gear. Uh, we did you know, that's another, the same story well, we had. Say what? That's the same story we had, Stan. We went out uh, Thursday night fishing Friday. Same thing, heavy gear, fly the kite or not, use bait, you know, um, or flat falls, but uh, tons of fish on the meter. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's acres and acres of fish, but it's, it, that fish, when it wants to go, it'll come up and play. It'll show and play both. Um, we just did not get into it. I think Lackey got into it and had um, a, a 20 or something like that. He had a pretty good day on him. Uh, one of the other boats had three where they'd, they'd uh, got them on the yummy flyers. You know, it's a onesie twosie things for the sport boats. You're not all fishing right. that. If you're on the sport boat, you've got to wait your turn. Um, somebody's got to get lucky and hang one first, and then you've got to wait till they get that one in, and then good luck on getting the second and third <laughs> if you can. Right. So, it's more of a, a yachty or a smaller boat type thing, you know, because when you have 30 passengers on board, it gets pretty boring because if somebody's on a big fish, you don't want to screw them up and, and be catching fish and get tangled up in, in their monster. Yeah, that's true. I mean, with our group of guys, they just wanted to see one get on the boat. We rotated guys in and off the kite um, as we were out there. Uh, you can use a balloon if you got helium. It bounce, you know, you can get the kite and a balloon going. The best way to get that working is to not have the flyer straight behind your boat. You want it outside your the wake, uh, and you want it to glide and hit and glide and hit, um, and it's trying to get the right outfit and the right weight on your flyer to uh, to get that to happen. 
with a with a live one, we just slid it into the foamer, and it was four hits and a and a, we're off to the races. It just didn't last very long. I actually think we were on it for about only about five seconds, and it broke off everything. But there were so many fish crashing. I think it just got crashed on by more than one fish and broke off. So at the connection, but that's just part of part of fishing. It, it's fun no matter what to get out there. But our fishing, we had, uh, Bobby just goes, these guys don't know the island like I do. I'm going to move away from them. And he found a spot where we were pretty much all alone and started that slow pick where you had, you know, two, three, four fish going all the time, all all day long. Uh, on that yellowtail, it goes anywhere from 20 to almost 40 pounds. It's some really quality fish out there right now. That's good fishing, yeah. It is. Um, yeah. Most of that fish wanted to eat, you know, your your fishing lighter line to keep that going. Twenty five to and thirty was it until they got a little bit on it. Once they got on you a little bit better, you could fish forty. They get the they ate the yo yo iron, they ate the taddy um, surface iron, and and I was using the four o taddy uh, heavy for uh, blue and white, and got several on the iron on on the yo-yo and i got i just changed it up into a surface iron i got three more on the surface iron when when you wanted to do something different there's a tw- about a 12 foot oh, that's great about a 12 foot hammerhead out there running around that ate several of the fish you know got half of it uh while we were playing around out there which was pretty fun to watch actually big big fish um but we caught so many. I mean, it was a pretty constant bat bite all day, all through the day. We'd we'd uh, ended up leaving in the late afternoon. We'd go out and try to catch that afternoon bluefin when it wanted to cooperate, and then we'd go back in and and anchor up on the point the desperation there. And and we had one night we had a, about two inches of rain on the boat. I, I heard it didn't rain here, but we had a cell come through out there with lightning. And rain, Bobby was trying to tell somebody with the, who's got the longest rod, stick that way up in the air, that one of those composites, and see if that lightning is real. <laughs> but uh, we had uh, rinse down there, and then we, after we played with that yellowfin and the bluefin for the two days, three days, we decided, hey, let's, you want to go, we've got enough yellowtail, and we've got the bluefin that we're going to get, let's go play with maybe that yellowfin that's down below there, just below San Diego, and we got out there and looked around. We got uh, stopped for five or six Dorado on the kelp and then got another one for some smaller uh, yellow fin, I mean, a yellow tail that we didn't keep. Ended up sticking one or two um, yellow fin uh, on a smaller bunch of fish and got into a bite where we went for about two and a half to three hours with a bait. Every bait got bit. And at the end, Bobby pulled away and handed off the school because we had so much on the deck you couldn't you couldn't walk. And we decided at that point in time, hose everything off and uh, go back to the dock early because we had finished our trip a day ahead of time when we didn't need to catch anymore. So we actually came in early from our trip and loaded the wagon. That's great. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back. How much? How much? Well, we'll talk about how that trip finished up at the dock, and then we'll talk about your trip, Wendy, a little bit. Done. See how you guys made out. And, uh, I know the three-quarter day boats are having a great time during that local fishing. So this is AM540. Fish, hope, I was going to say Fish Talk Radio. Do you hear almost. That? I almost said that. <laughs> oh, matter of Rod Real Radio. We'll be right back. Oh, my God. 
can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect. Finally, a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main at El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at El CajonFord.com. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. I got a garage full of fishing tackle, and every time I get out on the water, I realize I forgot something important. But I never forget my life jacket. I make sure my buddies wear theirs, too. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, HM Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. Angler's Arsenal is the serious angler's first choice for hand-poured plastics. McCoy Line, Spro Products, Gamakatsu Hooks, G. Loomis Fishing Rods, Shimano Products, Ovet Reels, and just about anything you hear advertised on Rod and Real Radio. Go to anglersarsenal.com and visit our online tackle store. See the huge selection of Western Plastics hand-poured baits, all at anglersarsenal.com. Angler's Arsenal Tackle Store is conveniently located in La Mesa, just off Interstate 8. Give us a call at 1-800-428-8730. Quantum Fishing's gone and done it again for you with the brand new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your bait casters. The PTA design has a new PTXA frame. Lighter, stronger, bone crushing drag. Quantum fishing. We are performance tuned. Check them out at Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619 466 8355. It's a big deal, you know. I've always wanted to be on Rod and Reel Radio Line. <laughs> <laughs> I won the Bassmaster Classic. I did a, a McDonald's commercial, but now I know I've made it. I fulfilled my dream. <laughs> that is just absolutely awesome. Oh, 
I'll get it straight. We're back. This is Ron Real Radio. I'm Captain Ron. Wendy is here with us, and Stan's here. Stan, how much fish do you think? Who did you, did you get a processor to come down and pick up your fish when you got in early, or what was? Yeah, you know? we had so much. I mean, we just literally when we got done, we pulled out of that the uh, the yellowfin bite. I mean, the, the yellowfin were running. I would say twelve to twenty five. But it was a fisher cast for several hours for everybody on the boat. And we literally, you didn't have walking room. There was blood everywhere. Bobby said, you know, before you go inside, guys, we got to cut this out because we got, I don't think there was much more room to put them. Uh, hose yourself off, wipe yourself off with your, your crying towels before you go in because there was just blood everywhere. It was, it was a slugfest. Looked like Braveheart out there. But um, we had, when I... I was waiting to take, actually take a shower. Bobby said, hey, come up to the wheelhouse. Uh, and you know, I walked up there, and he says, well, now what do we do? <laughs> I go, well, there's not a lot of choice. You know, we can't go to catch the bluefin. It's too far to go back up there. You can't go calico bass fishing cause, just because it's, not, we're, it's too far to go get them no matter what. And we're not going to float around all night and, uh, just outside the harbor. So we decided to go inside. Well, I called sportsman's. Had them called Sportsman Seafood, which they'll take it. They'll fillet any fish, and they'll fillet it at all, big and small. Doesn't make they'll fillet them all, and they do it for a lot less than the rest, which is the first choice. And since we had some of that smaller fish, we didn't want to get penalized for having the little guys and have to pay more. So we uh, went in, and they met us at the dock. Thank you very much to the gang that came in and took care of us, and they took care of the whole crew there. Um, we were. Uh, we were lucky. You know, one of the things I got a chance to do, we, we, Promar Ahi gave us a bunch of the new assist baits, glow-in-the-dark stuff that we could play with out there, and they gave us a brand-new Daisy Chain uh, live design. Um, uh, they're the cedar plugs with the actual painting of uh, mackerel or the anchovies or... You know, the squid, they've got actual colors of it painted on the baits and, they, and daisy chains. First time we had a chance to use them, and they worked really well. Both the standard one, I was pulling the, I put the uh, uh, anchovy one on, and it worked really well. One of the guys was pulling the sardine one, and it, but all of them got bit, which is pretty good. Um, I kind of wondered how they would work, but they worked very well. But we, had, we were blessed, had a great trip. Tons of fun. Loaded, I mean, loaded the wagon with big yellowtail and, and decent bluefin for the most ones we caught. And, and the yellowfin bite was off the charts. So by the time we got down and, and sportsmen's met us at the dock there, Danielle and the crew, we, we had a great, great trip. That's great. That's right. You know, that's good. You know, you get that kind of volume. You just, it's nice to have a processor that can take care of it all and get it all done. So, None of it goes to waste. That's the trick. Well, and the best thing is, you know, normally they don't come down at night, and you you don't get that kind of response from you know somebody to call them. But Sportsman has been absolutely wonderful. Highly suggest you guys that are listening to choose them. Um, they're a lot less uh, for the the processing. They do a great job. They got the best smoker. Well, one of the oldest in town. I mean, they've been around yeah. forever. Well, you know, Mario and I were the best of friends. Mario and I commercial fish together and we were old school and uh, he was an old Italian rock cod guy he'd fish rock cod in the winter and he, we just we just and then when I went to him to sponsor all of our fishing kids fishing derbies he was like right there you know he 
furnished all the fish and we cooked on a pier and it was just wonderful. He's just it's a great guy. We miss him dearly. Well, look at all the all the boats he supported for all those years. I mean, you know, that just be, he, when he passed away, we lost a great friend down there. But they picked up the the baton and kept it running, and they do a great, great job. And they, you know, they they've been around the longest. They don't have to, you know, pay off the loan <laughs> for buying the new business or anything. So uh, they treat you right, and they know how to do it the right way. And I got only praise for them. You know, and it's, it's really good, too, because when you get off these boats, and especially, you know, this year we couldn't fish any of the islands, and so we had to fish those small yellowfin, and, uh, you know, we got some small yellowtail, too, you know, while we were on our trips. It costs a lot to have a fish under 10 pounds to have it processed by the other processors, where Mario doesn't charge you that extra money. I think it was a dollar fifteen. Um, one of the processors was going to. They were a buck twenty, a buck forty. They were way up there um, for for just to cut that smaller fish, and it's almost half price of that to go to uh, right. Or, you know, which is reasonable, and they haven't changed the prices. They've been helping us the same way for a long, long time, yeah. gang. So you they're know, my that's first a big choice. Deal. That's a big deal. You know, there were so many times, Stan, when I was running the Point Loma, we'd have a hundred fish day, and there were so many people that wanted them processed, they wanted them all taken care of, vacuum-packed, ready to go, and you just couldn't get a processor down there to, to come down and pick up fish for three-quarter-day boats. So that, we, I mean, we would cut it on the boat, granted, and it was a good deal, but some people want more than that. They want to just pick up their fish frozen, packed, ready to go. Much better deal, really. Oh, it is. I don't want to mess with that, especially with that volume. Um, I have to say, Merritt and I, we bring our fish home and we process all our own fish. Yeah. It, it takes a lot of time. I mean, it's a two-day process, you know, by the time you do your first cuts all the way to packaging and putting them in the freezer. And it is so, the, the quality of the fish is so much better when you have the have it right off the boat, going to the processors and, and pack in a temperature-controlled building. You know, it's just, yeah. the, the quality of the meat is amazing. Uh, yeah. You can tell a huge difference. Yeah, Dina and I would do the same thing. We'd go on a, a trip to Guadalupe, and we'd load up, we'd come back, we'd take it all home and process it all. It was, like you say, it's a two-day deal. Yeah. Well, unfortunately for me, I don't have that two-day availability. You know, i, I got to come home and keep running here, and then i got to go back down and pick it up. But I don't mind that because... It's like, all right, I've got to process it, and then you've got to figure out where you're going to put all the heads and carcasses. And, oh, uh, and if it's how long is it going to be until the trash is picked up, that uh, became too much of an ordeal. This is just a simple way to get it done, and it's yeah. relatively inexpensive to get it done the right way by these people. And uh, you save time and money if your fish are done. You can keep them for six months. You pull them out of there, and they're just as good as, when you caught them. And when's the you last know, it's really funny. Went... Go ahead, Mandy. It's, it's really funny. I ended up finding a dog kennel who would take all the carcasses and everything, and they would cook down uh, all the meat off those bones and feed them to the dogs. Cool. Perfect. That's a great <laughs> idea. <laughs> really they can grind it up and use it. More power to them. Well, yeah. we lived on a ranch, so what I'd do is I'd get the guys back home, and we'd go dig a big old hole in the lower 40, <laughs> and that's where they would go, you know. 
No, that's not a bad idea either. That's a good way to do it. <laughs> that's a problem. And then we'd have it all, and then we then we would can a lot of it. And that's just it's just a big, big deal. But That's it's, another two-day process. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's okay. We gave it away for Christmas presents. Everybody likes canned tuna, so it was fun. Yeah. That's, that's a good thing. And it lasts for a good long time. I, I can a lot of my fish even after I get it back from being cut down there. I can pull it back up here yep. and season it and can it. And uh, you're right. We give it away for Christmas and, you know, we do everybody asks for it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like right now, I'm kind of out of touch. I'm looking for some tuna. I'm hoping that one of the guys, I'm going to try to, as soon as the loads drop a little bit, I'm going to go out with Steve on the Mission Bell see if I can't catch a few to can because I I got some people I give that to every year and they kind of I don't know I hope they don't expect it but it's a good present and you know it's, it's a good thing well people if you've been giving yeah. it out for a few years yeah they expect it <laughs> they all look forward and to it and it comes from the heart you bet yeah and, it, and it's better than I think what you get in the can anyhow if you can get that fresh stuff and put it in jars Oh, you yeah. can throw whatever seasoning you like to put on into it. I like a little liquid smoke and a little tiny, a little, tiny bit of seasoning, salt, and liquid smoke, and that's it. Yeah. Tell us about your trip, Wendy. What boat did you go out on? So we went out of options out of Pier Point Landing in Long Beach or San Pedro. With um, Wes? And uh, it, what was that? Who was the skipper, Wes? Oh, yeah, Wes was the skipper. Wes yep. and Jiro were on board. <clears throat> <clears throat> Excuse me. And then um, it was a Thursday night fishing Friday. We uh, all took a vote, and he asked what we wanted to do, and we took a vote. We wanted to go strictly for big fish. So that's what we did, and we, you know, put in our time, put in our hours, saw a lot, got frustrated. Um, the only thing uh, that we caught that was notable was a 200-plus pound striped marlin. <laughs> <laughs> and, At least that's entertaining. Mike and, yeah, it was entertaining. We did see Mike and Sandy uh, and Harry Okuda. They were on Thumper, and they were right next to us. And uh, they did catch two big um, bluefin tuna. I think one was a 140 and one was a 160 or an 80. Nice. And, uh, so they had some luck. But, you know, you have to be dedicated out there, and you have to you have to keep using that kite and not give up. And that's how you get your big fish because they are so picky. Well, you know, they are that. If you can get around the right school, if you got the kite up and you can actually get it close to them, you've got to kind of go around them and drag that thing into them. You can't go into them. You can't even get close to them. You've got to go outside it and have the, the fly, actually have your flyer drag into them way outside of your boat. And if you can do that, you get it outside the wake and into your fish that are still up. Uh, you'll get the bites. It's just then can you land them. Yeah. You can That's even do right. it with them. If you even slow troll um, like mackerel or something where you were way back behind the boat, and but you had enough scope that you had, you know, you could curve that line and go around it and then drag it into that foaming fish, yeah. you can get your bites that way. That The kite's a better way to do it or a balloon if you got it. Yeah. But we, did, we actually got that marlin on the kite. Really? Yeah, on a mackerel. Dang. <laughs> that was almost a <laughs> rat. <laughs> you know, that, you know, that's what this... makes that school-size yellowfin so good because the years that we fished it down there, 
I mean, everybody can catch it. It's still tuna, and if it's small, 8, 10 pounds, 6 pounds, 12 pounds, 15 pounds, all the red rotters, all the novice, everybody can right. catch them. It's, that's what makes sport fishing. Those big fish, they're great. Everybody wants to catch a big one, but in reality, that's not a fishery for everybody. It's no, no, no. You've got to have the right gear or, you yeah. know, don't go play. If you haven't got the right gear, go home. And it's a one-fish deal. Usually you get one, maybe two. If you really get lucky and get three, you had a hell of a day. Um, right. So if you and, can get out and there you know, and play well, with them. Go a, ahead. a lot of people don't underestimate these fish, and they don't come out with the right gear, and they really need to. And these light wire hooks, um, on uh, one of my multi-day trips, you know, I see these guys using light wire hooks, and they're just breaking, breaking in half. Oh, yeah. you got to have heavy gear. I can't imagine anybody tying a light wire hook when you're going to yeah. 200 pounds. No, don't get me wrong. Those light wire hooks are good, and believe me, I use them. Dina uses them. The, Dina's the one that kind of turned me on to them. And the 25-pound yellowtail were breaking those hooks this year. Yeah, well, I don't know. Well, I caught 50-pound well, halibut, and they didn't break them. <laughs> it's just, you know, put the. it depends on, on, on the hook you're using. They've had problems with some of the hooks this year. Um, actually, in the last couple of years, but you know, I stick with the ones I know, and I haven't right. had any problems. And you know, every once in a while, the fish is going to win, no matter what you're catching. So that they take the hook or they break you off in the rock, yeah, one of the two, that just happens. But uh, I haven't had any hook failure, thankfully, and we didn't have any hook failure on our trip. But we had, you know, Gami as a sponsor, and I made sure that everybody understood if you're fishing for this big, big stuff out here. You know, you can use a small hook. I've, I've used a full-out heavy-duty on at the Fish and Clarion last year because all we had was little little tiny bait. We had them, I mean, my biggest one was just under 190, 189. Um, but that that fish, you know, you can pull as hard as you want. Those hooks aren't going to break. But not it, not everybody goes out there with a light line class, too. They, I watched guys hanging them on a 50, and they're going, you know, I'll see you later. It's not worth hanging around. If you got them on 80, because it's really hard to straight pull break 80, uh, if you hung, hang, even when you hang it on a rock and you try to break that off of a rock, that's uh, damn that's near hard. impossible. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Well, that's it. That, that fishery on the backside of Clemente, it's kind of held up, too, and those guys are, there's guys that make catches. You know, I, I think you're right, Wendy. I think it's up. A really good small boat fishery where you can go and hopefully you catch one and it's all good, you know. Uh-oh, well, I got a call here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Forgot to turn my Have phone somebody on. else answer it. <laughs> Hello, Chicago. <laughs> yeah. So anyhow, the way you out here, that fish is going to hold up. Go ahead. I got a good joke. One year, one year I... One, one year, I took a bunch of jockeys out from Del Mar, and my buddy Freddie was with me. And we, were, we had Kent DeSormo, Corey Nakatomi, all of them, all of them all, Alex Solis, Pat McCarran, all those guys were out fishing with me on the Oceanside, right? Well, on the way in, my buddy Fred, he asked Hess, the trainer, he said, you got a, you got a tip. And he said, you know I do. I'll give you a tip. There's a horse running next week called Hello, Chicago. So every time I, anytime something comes up, it's always from now on, hello, Chicago. 
Fred went down there. The horse scratched. I went down there. <laughs> I went down a couple weeks later with a lady friend of mine for the afternoon, and I'll be darned. Here was Hello Chicago. So I put a lot of money on it, and I'll be damned if it didn't win. So it's just a joke. Hello Chicago. That's when the phone rang. That's what I said. Hello Chicago. But that happened on a fishing boat, you know. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> Hello Chicago. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll look for the horse later. But that, you know, I think this big bluefin that's out here, I mean, it, we it's not over. We had half of the long-range long fleet over the weekend was up there. Um, you had the Searcher, the Royal Polaris, the Royal Star. Uh, the, I mean, there were seven the anglers. There were several of the big boats up there along with the mass of the rest of the uh, Southern California fleet that would show up there, well, especially on the weekend. Now, after the weekend, it kind of d- diminished. The, everybody went south and someplace else. Uh, but you have to go a long way to try to catch that big a fish. Yeah, well, let's take a break, Stan. What do you think? We got a break. I think so. Radio? Okay. I think we're, I think if everything goes right, we got Jane Nelson going to come on, talk about fishing in the bay because inshore fishing is really good right now. And for those guys that maybe can't get on a boat to go out because there's a lot of good things happening now. This is Rod and Real Radio AM five forty. We'll be right back. Are you ready to sell your current boat and upgrade in preparation for the 2017 fishing season? It's sure to be one for the bucks. I'm Zach Zorn and a broker for Kessler Yachts located in San Diego. As one of the largest and most reputable brokerages on the West Coast, I can assure that your boat will be sold in a timely manner or that your dream boat will be found. If you want to sell your boat or looking to purchase one, call Zach Zorn at Kessler Yachts, 760-815-8866 so that your name can be added to our long list of satisfied buyers and sellers. That's Zach Zorn, 760-815-8866. If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top-angler-tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their product. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ringed hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Don't you just love California in the summer? Just remember, if you love California and you love the boat, please wear your life jacket and make sure the people you love wear one too. Love California, Boat California, Save California. Share the love at BoatCalifornia.com. This portion of Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by the Rockley's Fish Release System. Now you can quickly and easily release fish suffering from barotrauma back to the depths they were caught. Look or ask for the Rockley's at your local fishing tackle dealer. Yeah, we're back. This is Ron Real Radio. I'm Captain Ron, along with Wendy and Stan. 
And we have a regular on the show here that comes in and gives us a good report for near shore fishing. You on here, James? Come here. Hey, how are you doing there, Captain Ron? I'm here. I'm doing good. Tell us about what's been going on. You know, the, the emphasis has been all summer on uh, this tuna, the big tuna, the bluefin. Now we got good yellowtail that were biting at the island for a couple, three weeks. And now we got yellowfin tuna on patties and bird schools and jumpers and breezers and jig strikes. So what's going on on the inside? What's, tell us what's happening with you. Well, on the inside, you know, it's just so easy to find bay bass right now. Um, all you got to do is uh, go up on some shallow areas or go out on some deeper areas or fish somewhere in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just, just, just go find them, huh? <laughs> yeah, you know, just find some water, throw a grub out there, and go fishing. It's, yeah. it's the way we like it. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> Either throw it shallow or in the middle or, or deep, uh, and just go fishing. That's good stuff. Just go fishing, you know, and we got a, we got a few other things happening, too, as far as with your, uh, you know, your sand sharks, leopard sharks, rays, all, the, all those kinds of critters are also happening. But, you know, the, the spotties rule the bay, as I'm sure everybody here knows. I don't have to say that out loud. But right now it's, it's definite. I mean, they are just really taking over. If it crawls, uh, swims, or once did, they're about to eat it. So, <laughs> How about the bonefish in the back bay? I used to have, when I chartered in the bay a little bit, I had guys that would come just to go bonefishing back there. Is that stiff, stuff still around? Do you ever fish on that? Well, I, I assume. I just haven't had anybody wanting to do it lately. So, you know, I guess we'll just have to figure it out here in, in a trip or two. But uh, that back bay water is still very warm. It's almost 80 degrees on most days. Yeah. So it's, you know, and as you probably know, uh, folks, they get confused when they think bonefish, and they're thinking, you know, all the guys in Florida stalking and sight fishing and throwing fly rods. We don't really get to do that with our bonefish, and uh, nor do they like warm tropical waters. They don't really like it that hot. So really? they tend to scatter, but uh, we'll find them. Yeah. Yeah, I took a I took a guy bone fishing one time stand that had fished with Joe DiMaggio, who loves to, who love was it no, it was Ted Williams loved to fish bonefish. He fished bonefish all over the world. This guy said he fished with them. And we went in the back bay and we caught nine bonefish and he said that was the best bonefish fishing he's ever seen. Really? Nine. Yeah. Yeah, and he was using a fly rod, it was on my bay boat, and I had Tony up at double A pour me a little a little Grub that looked like a uh, like a ghost shrimp, like a like you know like those the little bay shrimp they use. Yep. And he made it into like we could put a hook in it and use it on a fly rod, and it worked so good. Yeah. Well, so Jimmy, the the fish that you catch back there, I mean, do you, do you use that ghost shrimp, or how do you fish the the stuff that's in the back bay there without a fly rod? Well, right now, what I'm got to do is get a hold of the double A's and get some of those grubs. I'm going to tell them that Captain Ron sent me. Yeah, he, yeah. he made them. No, he made them. You know. Actually, I, I actually, you know what, James? I met a guy at the Fred All Show that had a fly shop up in Encino, world famous fly shop, and I, we were talking about bone fishing. So he just turned me on to a couple of guys, and we just went back there, and it was a fun fishery. And I can tell you one thing: a fly fisherman. It's got more patience than you could ever imagine them above any other type of fishery. If you're a fly fisherman and you don't have patience, you might as well 
go to a drop line or something because those guys have got patience uh-huh. and they love no they love to catch those bonefish and they're you know on light line and the right outfit those things tear you up. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely, and it's it's kind of funny you say that because again, I mean now you're going to tell me you were sight fishing too, but that's something that we normally don't get to do. <laughs> but uh, but Stan, to answer your question, mostly it's shrimp. Yeah, it's I mean it's you can't go. You can't go wrong with it because uh, you're going to get the bycatches are there, so you're going to catch something. I mean, shrimp, shrimp is it. Do you have to throw it out there and just drag it across the the area, or do you throw it out there on a you know something that floats? How do you fish that fish? Uh, you know, about the only way that we haven't done much of is floating. I mean, mostly it's uh, you you know we're fishing eight to twelve feet of water, so most of the time what we're doing is uh, either split shotting, uh, even done drop shotting and, uh, you know, just something like that. Or even us, if the wind's really good, then a lot of times we'll use uh, a little slider rig. Nothing more than a quarter ounce, but, you know, just enough to, to hold it down there a little bit. Uh, sometimes we put a shrimp on a lead head. There's really no wrong answer. You know, it's, that's the thing about fishing is I, I know a lot of people, you know, I, I've done it myself. I've seen it, and I... You know, they go and they just take every uh, note down that they can while someone's giving a seminar, and they follow it word for word verbatim. And that's just, that's really not what fishing is. Fishing well, is going out there the, and creating your own art out of it. One thing about bay fishing, too, is you get something out there, you put a piece of shrimp out there or something and start moving it across the bottom slowly, something's going to eat it, <laughs> no matter yeah, what. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, when it comes to our bay, uh, I get the, that's the beauty of our shrimp, you know, our shrimp are everywhere and we do have some, uh, but not a lot of, you know, your typical bay shrimp. We don't have a huge calling like say they would in the Gulf, but most of it's going to be ghost shrimp and there are some rock shrimp. So you're talking about critters that just creep along the bottom most of the time. And that's where those fish are looking for them. And so that's why I tell people, I said, look, if the, if the birds are diving, you're throwing under the birds cast out start whining if not just work that bottom slowly because that's what they're looking for yeah even underneath the birds on the bottom anything that falls down there there's critters looking for it oh yeah yeah, absolutely and and we've even fish that way (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of halibut people don't realize that bay is one of san diego bay is one of the best inshore fisheries for halibut that there ever could be that thing is phenomenal it can get so good they're not everywhere but when you find them and when they're in there boy you can really knock them oh yeah oh and if anybody knows halibut i know i'm gonna listen to you when you say it so <laughs> uh, we, we, we could talk af- after the show if you want to start <laughs> giving him some hints where do you catch them i was fishing in there one day with dina and i caught off of one spot, I caught 29 halibut on plastics. Ooh. On two are legal, and the rest of them are shorts, but it was, a, it was just it was one of those deals. Remember the old thing, Cody Bates, just put him in the water and hold on? Oh, yeah. It's about the way it was, you know. Well, you ran into <laughs> the herd. <laughs> Captain Ron's the king of halibut, though. I don't know about that. Well, do you, do you, <laughs> you've had the halibut run on the boats for how many years now? I don't know. I went back. You know what, Stan? I went after I, my back got all healed and that muscle that was split, 
got healed up, and I went back to get my job because I wanted to go catch halibut. Because Wendy and the, the guys from Scripps, we went down there when there weren't supposed to be any halibut, and we had a pretty good little gig. So we, uh, I, just, I went down back to the landing, and I said, let's get the halibut run again. And, uh, and they had already, they, their insurance company said because of my back, I was out insurance liability. That'll happen. I know that'll happen. I know. I accept it. I wanted to go do it again, though, because I like catching halibut. It's okay. Go as a passenger. Yeah. There you go. Just go as a passenger, and you, you can still catch them. In fact, you can direct them. <laughs> They'll yeah. probably take direction. Who's that, the guy, in the, the guy running the boat? Yeah. <laughs> how, do you, how well do you think that would work out, Sam? Well, it depends on who, if the guy knows you or not. <laughs> Is anybody going to walk in the office and tell you how to sell insurance, Dan? No. They do all the time. <laughs> no, but how, well, <laughs> how does that work out? <laughs> no, this doesn't work out as well as they'd like, but, you know, there are times when I'll listen. Oh, that's great. That's great. Oh, yeah. Well, well, what else is going on, James? What else you see in there? Catching any leopards or any of that kind of stuff? Well, we didn't this week. You know, this was actually kind of a kind of a slow week for me. I only did a couple trips, and we went out to La Jolla for uh, most of it. So I did two trips in La Jolla and only was in the bay one day. So it was kind of interesting. But uh, it, was, it was fun. So we did uh, caught more uh, spotless leopards, I call them. Caught more of them than anything this, this week. Uh, and there were some good ones in that mix. So that that's always fun. What's the little sand sharks? Shark? Yeah, the little sand sharks, little uh, smooth-down sand, sand sharks. Yep. Yeah, they're 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 pretty fun. So you know they're that and you know about a hundred or so bay bass. Nothing wrong with that, man. That'll keep you entertained all day. Yeah, I'll tell you, those bay bass are just nuts. <laughs> well, it's a good place for a guy to bring his kids because you could rig a couple of kids up and you could drift in that bay and you could make it to where they actually catch fish without having the cast or having the tangles and all that. It's just, it's a good, it's a good introductory fishery for novice people who want results. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's, and that's the best part of it. You know, again, it's a great way to get kids started. Um, and, And I get folks that, even adults, you know, first time, maybe in their 30s, and they've never caught a fish. Oh, you know, and that's, and that's the great thing. Like, like you said, it's just, it is by far the best, uh, it's the best fishery we've got out here. You know, best fishery, I, my opinion. I mean, it's, it's not nearly as fickle as any of the lakes or even the uh, our kelp beds. And, you know, I don't have to tell you how fickle offshore can be. Driving around looking for birds half the day. Yeah, you but, ever drop uh, shot that day, James? You ever rigged your, you ever oh, rigged your kids up with a drop shot? Uh, I've I've been doing that for probably over twenty years. Ever since we learned about doing drop shot in freshwater, I said, "Well, guys have been doing that in saltwater, but it was bait." So I decided, "Well, let's try it with soft plastic." We've been doing it for a long time. Oh yeah, it's a great and it is it's it's fantastic, kids. especially around downtown. Yeah. You know, you fish around those uh, the channel droppings. You know. And I tell people that. Yeah, that's how I was told to fish the bay from a boat. You go to a channel marker and you drift. Yeah. If you like it, you run back up to that. If not, go exactly. to the next channel marker and drift. Exactly. <laughs> you know what's nice about that, James, is you can put, with a kid, you can put enough weight so when they drop shot, they got enough weight, they can always feel that, 
and it keeps the tangles down to a bare minimum. You don't have lines fluffing up or end up with loops on the spinning reels or where it's just a nightmare. But with a drop shot, you can sit pretty vertical, maybe a little angle, but they got enough weight where you can feel what's going on. And the kids catch, and there's no tangles, and that's important. And that and that's it. And I mean, bingo, because um, they don't have to know how to cast. All they got to do is drop down, you know, as, as we're drifting. And what I've learned is even better with the spinning rods is once I start using that Iserline braid. Um, and I use different color codes. So I use the white for, you know, 30 pound. I use green for 50 pounds. So I know what we've got on. And then they have a, a little darker green that I use for 20 pound. But I'll, I'll rig up. You can put a lot more line on your spinning reel when you go braid. Plus, like I said, I mean, I'm using heavy line. And the reason that we're doing that is so that we could use any leader of any choice. And it fits with what we're doing at that time. So if we're throwing cast masters, you know, quarter ounce cast masters. Obviously, we don't need more than ten pound tests. It's gonna, it's gonna make that uh, lure flutter better. Um, sometimes even eight pound tests. But if we're drop shotting, a lot of times you want that twenty pound test. And I'll tell you, it's because those halibut they lay on the bottom, they look up, and you know as well as anybody. That's why we've been using dropper loops with live bait for so long for halibut. Is it works, and it works even when you're drop shotting, and you're using a soft plastic bait. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, it's the same reason. Catch. It's amazing. You can pick it out an area like get down below the Coronado and fish that little rip that goes up into that channel along there, goes off into those grass beds and drift across there. And you can make a nice long drifts and the kids just steady catch. And that's what's great about it, you know. And Jimmy, when you're in there and you're using plastic baits, I mean, if we go to the surf, I, I throw a drop shot a lot with a little longer leader on it. Um, for off the surf, for surf perch with that in any of the gulp baits, you know, the, especially the centipede looking things, and, and they just chew that stuff like it's like it is live. Do, does that same type of bait, you know, can you use the gulp baits or do you just use the small grubs? What do you fish on a drop shot in the bay? You know, I, I typically don't use something with the curly tails, and that's a great question. Um, so usually I'm using either the gulp shrimp. And I try to use the big fat ones, especially if we're in the deeper water. Um, around the shallow stuff, typically we're just using lead heads. I'm going straight to a little phoenix lead head with a grub uh, or whatever other kind of tail, even if it's a flat tail. But when we're drop shotting, uh, I typically don't use anything curly because you just don't need it. But just a straight bait. Uh, uh, Western Plastics has a nice fluke-type bait that I use. Um, sometimes I'll use an actual zoom fluke. Sometimes we'll use the uh, Berkeley ones. The Gulp makes a, a fluke-looking bait. And, you know, it's just mix it up. Uh, as far as color-wise, anything with white in it, you just can't go wrong, especially if it's got – it could either be all white or at least have a white belly because that's, that's what they're used to looking at. They're looking at a fish's white belly when they, they poke their eyeballs up. And to me, it just makes sense. Look at the teeth that are in those those spotted bay bass. They eat just about everything. They got a rule of roost. So. <laughs> no, they oh, yeah. eat everything. They, if it comes crawling by, it's going to get eight if a, if a bay bass is there. So. Hey, we're going to take a little break here at the top of the hour. Hopefully, we're going to have Jim Matthews on. I'm hoping we connect because this is going to this next segment is going to be so interesting for everybody who wants to go up and bird hunting. So, this is Rod and Real Radio. Thanks, James. Thanks for the report. You bet, guys. Thanks again for having me. Talk to you next week. We'll be right back.
can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect. Finally, a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main and El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at El CajonFord.com. He's not just my fishing buddy. After 30 years, he's a brother, and I'd sure hate to lose him. His bass boat's got nothing to do with it. So I make sure both of us wear a life jacket. Save the ones you love, even if they don't own a fancy boat. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Quantum Fishing's got something for everybody. From the smallest angler to the oldest veteran, we can get you out there fishing with the greatest reels on the market today. From the all-new for 2016 Icon PT to the Tour Mag to the brand-new redesigned Smoke Reel, we've got something for everyone in your family. Have some fun. Take a kid fishing. They're the future of our sport. Quantum, we are performance-tuned. You can get your Quantum products at anglersarsenal.com or anglersarsenal Mesa at 619-466-8355. Attention Rod and Reel Radio listeners, be sure to check out the Code Group mobile app. You can listen to the Rod and Reel Radio show live along with show archives without internet access. The Code Group app has all kinds of cool features for fishermen including daily Southern California saltwater reports, weather reports, episodes of inside sport fishing, marine traffic, and much more. Get the free Code Group mobile app by texting the word REEL, R-E-E-L, to 90407, or enter the words code group in the App Store on your smartphone. Hi, this is BSS record holder Dean Rojas. El Cajon Ford helped me when I got started in my career, and let them help you with a new F-Series Ford truck. And remember, nobody beats El Cajon Ford. Guys, we're back. I am Captain Ron. This is Ron Real Radio. We're going to have Wendy in the studio, we got Stan in the studio, and we got a special guest coming on right now on the radio, a guy that used to do a high Sierra report for me when I was up on the Sporting News Radio in L.A., and it was just turned into just a, a beautiful, beautiful segment. And Jim has, a, has an outdoor news service, and he's probably the, the guru of... Upland bird hunting, and we got you, Jim. We got you on the air tonight on Ron Real Radio. How you doing, buddy? Captain Ron, how are you? It's good to talk to you on the air again. It's been too long. How long has it been? Ten years? I don't know how long it's been. It's been forever. I don't know. I, I'm just getting old. That's all I know. <laughs> you know what? I when I talked to you about doing this segment, I got into. Actually, I had a long talk with Glenn about you coming on there. I'm hoping he's listening because he was telling me about all the different shot laws and what you can do and what you can't do. And So we're asking you 
to square us away here on this report. So, well, I don't I care how you want. I know a lot of you Rodden uh, real listeners are, are also hunters and have just come back from the dove opener. And, and there's all kinds of questions on, you, you know, the lead shot issue. Uh, as you know, California has banned lead ammunition for all hunting, but they, uh, they've let the Department of Fish and Wildlife phase that in. And so we're in the middle of the phase-in process right now, and the regulations that we have now will stay in place until the total ban, which will take place for the 2019 hunting seasons. Okay, so for upland bird hunters, it's kind of this convoluted set of regulations. Right now, for all game birds the size of chucker and bigger, including mountain grouse and, you know, wild turkeys, you have to shoot non-lead ammunition for all your hunting out of your shotgun. Now, if you still hunt cottontail rabbits and tree squirrels with a twenty-two, you can still use lead right up until the... The, the, the complete closure in 2019. Now, I'm saying all that, but there's one big exception. Within the condor zone, you, you have to shoot non-lead now. So, so that is, is a, a different deal. Uh, the other place where you have to shoot non-lead is all on state wildlife areas and ecological reserves. So state-owned uh, Department of Fish and Wildlife lands, whether it's a, a wildlife area or ecological reserve, you have to use non-lead. And that also applies to dove and quail. Outside of those two areas, for dove and quail, uh, they, you can still shoot lead until the 2019 season. Okay? I hope that, that clarifies it. By the way, Ron, we talked about it. I, I'm on Twitter. If anybody doesn't understand that or needs me to clarify that, they can tweet me at uh, Matthews, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-S, Matthews Outdoor, O-U-T-D-O-O-R. So it's Matthews Outdoor. And, and I've got that sitting open in front of me. If that wasn't clear, if you have other questions related to that, just, just shoot them over to me. Uh, Jim, I, I think that, uh, you, map you know, that, that that clarifies it a little bit. It, it's kind of it's complicated. Complicated? <laughs> no kidding. Well, and it gets worse, too. I mean, like a guy asked me the other day, he says, well, what if I'm hunting quail and I jump some chucker? And I'm saying, well, you're better put all your lead in the truck, and then you can go back and chase chucker with non-lead, you know, shoot steel. And you can shoot quail with steel now, obviously, if you want to. But, you know, he said, so you can't, I said, no, the rules are that you can't have it in your possession when you're hunting. If you're hunting chucker and you have lead in your vest for the quail you might see, that's a violation. Now, most game wardens are pretty good guys, and they're going to tell you that. Unless they have a suspicion that you were shooting, you know, chucker with lead. And, and then they'll probably get right in your case and write you a citation because you should know better by now because we've been phasing this in now for a couple of years. So, so yeah, so that, that's, it's, it's, there's lots of little questions and things that guys have. You know, I was trying to figure out if it's required for bantail pigeons right now. You know, there's only a handful of guys that still hunt bantails, and, and it's convoluted. And I'm still trying to figure out. I'm not sure if they're included under the dove regulations or if they are now I'm pretty sure that the way I read the regulation is is that you have to shoot non lead for bantails. Yeah. So you know my yeah, son so that's, Neil that, that's Jim, the stuff that's kind of different. My so son, how do we get a map of the locations that you where does the where does one edge start and the next edge begin for lead or non lead or or the state owned property and in, in 
You guys know me well enough to know that I spend about half of my career criticizing the Department of Fish and Wildlife for the <laughs> stupid stuff they do. But I've got to tell you, to, this is one of those times where I'm going to give them kudos. If you go to the department's website, and, and they, they link it right off the front page, or at least the hunting page, they have a great non-lead section that explains it very well if you read it carefully. And the regulations are a little complex, so you do have to read it carefully, but they do about as good a job as can be done explaining it. And so that's the Department of Fish and Wildlife. And for those of you that haven't been there lately, it's, it's wildlife.ca.gov. That's the website, wildlife.ca.gov. Yeah. Let me ask you something, Jim. With all the rain that we had, Southern California you got some rain. What did, what did that do to the quail hatch and... All the other up and birds and game, rabbits and everything. Did that increase them? I know I was out at Glenn's house up there in Hidden Valley off 138 for opening of dove season, and that place is loaded with quail right now. So. Oh, yeah. i got to tell you, there's, there's a lot of places that uh, we had a little bit of wa- a rain during the El Nino winter. And then this last year, which wasn't supposed to be El Nino, was like an El Nino winter, and we got a ton of rain. And th- there are places where the bird numbers are the best they've been since 2010 for sure and maybe even 2000. Uh, those were the last big bird years that we, we had. 2000, about every five years, it seems like. Uh, we had a good bird year in 2000, 2005, 2010, and, and it, we've been in a drought since 2010 until these last two years. In, in, in some areas, the birds still haven't recovered. They were so low for the 2016 winter, that, or the 2015 winter, that they didn't do much. And this 2016 winter that we just came through rained like crazy everywhere. And bird numbers are up across the board, especially quail and chucker. But there are areas where they are spectacular. Um, as you know, I do a whole bunch of seminars before the dove season all over Southern California for to get guys squared away on where to hunt on public lands. And I, I'm so excited about what the, the eastern part of the Mojave Desert looks like this year, the Mojave National Preserve. That, that looks just spectacular. I talked to a guy just the other day who was out scouting, and he saw 17 coveys of birds, gambles quail, and he estimated he saw more than 500 birds. Cool. Wow. That's excellent. Yeah. That, that's, it, it's, you know, for hunting, it's done the same thing that's done for fishing in all of our local freshwater lakes. That's I mean, I, I don't think there's been a better bluegill year in a long time this year than this year. Uh, the birds, or the birds, the fish came in and we had a great spawn. Same thing with the quail. I mean, they, they just had a great, great hatch just about everywhere. Um, and it, so it's it's going to be a, a good year. The West Mojave, the Red Mountain country for chucker, don't look as good. The birds have come back, but the numbers were still so low that even with good production, we're still at, you know, just maintenance-level populations is what I call them. Uh, but some areas look really good. The further north and the further east you go in California, the, the better it looks. Um, That's because they got more water. Yeah, well, and they had they had more water the previous year too. Yep, there's yep. a big area that from uh, from Bakersfield in the Carrizo Plain, that Taft area, across the the northern part of the San Gabriel Mountains into the West Mojave and up into the Red Mountain region, that still has not recovered like like other areas have numbers wise. But but overall, I think it's going to be the best bird season we've had in a long time, Absolutely. especially if you're willing to drive down to the Colorado River or the East Mojave. 
Wow. That's good and, to know. and the Colorado River looks as good as it's been in a number of years. I, I was talking to uh, you know one of the guys down at Walters Camp uh, on the Lower Colorado River. We talk every week for catfish and report in, in my uh, my newspaper fishing report, and he says he says Jim he says I, I still have you know gambles quail that have half sized chicks. He said I think this is their third hatch. Really? Yeah. 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 Right. Robert's, yeah Robert's not a BSer, but uh, you know he, he's a. He's a character, Robert Preston at the Walters camp. Yeah. Well, still, if you're seeing some small birds out there, you know that's a that's a really good good sign of, of things to come. Because I, you got to know, because with, without the water, the we just nature doesn't react. With a little bit yeah. of water, you know, it goes a long way. And to have this, we didn't get it kind of separated at Ventura there and kind of split either north or south. So the area going straight back to that, that plane you're still talking about didn't get as much water as the rest of right. the state did. Yeah, and that area traditionally gets missed. Uh, the Carrizo, which has the potential to be the you know some of the best bird hunting in the in the world, you know those Temblers and the Cayentes, because when it's wet there, the habitat is perfect. Mm-hmm. And, and birds really respond there, and we get big numbers there. I, I, I know there was a, a place there right on the Carrizo, uh, the state Carrizo Ecological Reserve. There's a couple of springs in there, and the, one of the fishing game guys did a count at one of those springs a couple of years ago. It's Well, the last good year, so that'd be 2010. And he classified over a 1,000 different quail at one spring. Yeah, wow. He could see almost a 1,000 birds at one time. Yeah. Unbelievable. Jim, that project that Glenn's doing with the bighorn sheep, he's been going out now looking, going back after they put these big tanks in the ground, and they've got them all over. It's a wonderful project, but he says the amount of quail that they're seeing now and the tracks around the water is phenomenal. It's just unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the Society for the Conservation of Bighorn Sheep. Those guys have done a terrific job. Um, You know, they've They've, what they do is they've put in these these man-made water catchments all over the desert where natural springs have dried up because of drought and man-made water pumping. You know, we, we pump the desert groundwater down so low in a lot of those places that most of those surrounding springs have dried up. And it, it's amazing. They put the water in and the sheep come back. It's like, it's like a garden. You put water in where they can get a drink, and they use, use all the habitat you know, for 10 miles around that water source. And it's just it enabled them to expand their range to back to where they were historically and beyond. It's amazing what that group has done, working with the Department of Fish and Wildlife to expand sheep populations in, in the southern half of the California, especially in the desert areas. Yeah. And my friend Glenn, he's just, I've known him for 50 years. He's just an avid heart. I, I met him, we used to varmint hunt together when we were kids. And so he's just an outdoors guy. And that's a perfect job for him. He's really probably one of the best authorities on big owned sheep in the state of California. There's no doubt. Yeah, Glenn Sudmeyer is is a great guy, and there's a bunch of guys in that group yeah. that Sudmeyer is a part of that are like him. I mean, all those guys have joined together. Um, it, that that group was started years ago by a guy by the name of Dr. Gordon Lutz, and and, and he was 
he was a spark plug. You either loved him or hated him, and most people hated him. But I'll tell you what, he got that group going, and 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 Glenn Sudmeyer, and oh my, there's a whole bunch of those guys: Gary Thomas and uh, Carlos. Um, oh, I can't think Carlos's last name, but those guys are doing great work, and and they're coordinating this stuff. John Voigt, uh, they coordinate this work on a regular basis, and they're kind of battling right now with the National Park Service that runs the Mojave National Preserve to get access to fix a guzzler where we had a problem a few years ago that the sheep will get up on top of the tanks. You know, they'll climb anything, especially the young sheep. Well, the top of that tank needs to be repaired. They they had one where that caved in a few years ago. Some sheep fell into the water, couldn't get out, and drowned, poisoned the entire water supply. And we lost about 60 sheep because the National Park Service for the Mojave National Preserve wouldn't let them get in there and repair that stuff because it's in the middle of a wilderness area. Oh, and great. there's an existing road up to it and all that stuff. But the Park Service, you know, they have they have these administrative rules that they, they they're – their rules say that they can go into those places and do that, but they they don't want to destroy the pristine quality of the wilderness for a one time in and out to fix something. It, yeah, it's yeah. just 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 infuriating. They'd rather let you know thirty or forty sheep die than do the right thing and go in and fix their water source. Yeah, let me ask you something, Jim. Where is your where is your range, Jim? You your your news service is it covered? The whole state, or does it cover Southern California, or just tell me what? Tell me where you like to range for your for your news reports for your service. Well, we've um, you know I've been a newspaper guy for years, and during the peak of newspapers, when all everybody and their brother, every town in Southern California had a newspaper, I wrote for over twenty of them uh, with a little syndicated package. And our fish report is still in a handful. I think there's seven or eight that still use it, but. The newspapers have all but dried up and gone away, and so all of my regular weekly news reporting is still up on my website, which is Outdoor News Service that you mentioned at the beginning. Um, and, and and I cover mostly the southern third of the state from both fishing and hunting standpoint. And I've been doing a, the little bird newsletter that uh, we, you know, it's a real detailed scouting report, a where-to-go report, since 1996. And, it, you know, it talks about guzzler locations and the bird stuff that we've been talking about. And, uh, you, you know, I've probably covered 800 places to hunt in the southern half of the state in detail. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, since I've done that. And, and you know, it, it's like, oh, I, I'll catch crap at shows from guys about, oh, you're hot spot in places, or you just, that's my secret spot. You know, and I just laugh because there's so few hunters left, just like with fishermen. You, you know, the numbers have just continued to decline. I mean, when, when you and I first started fishing in the, in the 60s, you know, we had 2.5 million fishermen in the state. Last year we had a million. You, you know we've declined by you know more than half. More than half. You know, it, same with hunting. When I when I first started hunting in the late sixties, we had we sold eight hundred and fifty thousand annual hunting licenses in California. We we've been selling about two hundred and fifty thousand a year the last two or three years. Uh, you know what, Jim? We're, we're going to take down it. by yep. two thirds. You, you know, and it in in when so when people give me crap about stuff, it's like. <laughs> No, I'll tell a guy where I was hunting exactly, you know, or where I was you fishing exactly. you still got to exactly. go find them. I don't care. You can give them location, location, location. you still got to know what you're go doing and find them. Exactly, exactly right. You know what, Jim? We're going to take a break. I'm going to keep you off in a segment, and I'm going to put you on the spot. I, need, I want you to direct some traffic. If a guy wants to go hunt chucker, where would you suggest him go? What kind of okay. land can he go on without 
being involved with private property, or maybe quail or any of the other up well, I'll tell you what. During the break, I'm going to get a big map out, and we'll we'll give you some details. How's that? There That's you go. Great. Hey, if anybody want, if anybody want, no, I think it's great. Come on, let's give it up, man. People say, "Gee, Ron, where'd you catch all the halibut? Oh, right outside the pier at Imperial Beach." Okay, great. Let's go for it, guys. This is Ron Real Radio. Thank you, Jim. We'll be right back with more of Jim Matthews. Thank you. I like rafting. I love whitewater. But I never forget that snowmelt in the river can cause cold water shock. I wear a life jacket always. Anyone with me has got to do the same. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specialty heat treater to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Hey everybody, this is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fish at Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. I got a garage full of fishing tackle, and every time I get out on the water, I realize I forgot something important. But I never forget my life jacket. I make sure my buddies wear theirs, too. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Hey, we're back. This is uh, Rod Real Radio. I'm Captain Ron. We have Jim Matthews on the line, who is on the Outdoor News Service, who is, as far as I'm concerned, the authority. And you guys that want to get involved, there's a lot of, I know I can look forward every year to quail, dove season, cottontail season. I look forward to that. But every, you know, I go back to some spots I used to hunt, and it's private. In fact, I even got a, I took a bunch of kids out on uh, I took through an NRA uh, fishing game class, and we went out to this area over in Kayama Valley, and we ended up getting a ticket because we were on private land, but I actually ended up beating it because it wasn't posted right. But things are different now, Jim. So if a guy wants to go and he wants to take his kid out and wants to maybe shoot some quail, like we were talking the other day, a good spot was right there in Upland. Just right there, in fact, right about just a little bit south of where you live. There was a great spot of quail there. Yeah, yeah, it sure used to be. And you know, we have a we have an interesting law. I mean, in most of the western states, we have a posting laws. If it's if the property is private and it's not posted, it's kind of de facto open land where you can hunt. But you you know, the days of being able to go out and wander around in a lot of the places where you and I hunted as kids or young yeah. men, anyway. Yeah. Uh, it, I don't even. I, I'm not sure that there was hunting back when we were kids. I think those were there were still dinosaurs and we didn't have the weaponry. But but, but uh, yeah, but the hunt you know, for the dinosaurs was pretty good then. <laughs> yeah, but you know the interesting thing is is that all of that country's closed. But 
Um, now, you know, I used to hunt down in the wine country, that Temecula Murrieta. Now it's all, you know, urban housing tracks and small little ranches, mm-hmm. and you know, and, and it's all posted. Uh, but the places that don't get posted are the public lands. And, and that's, you know, what I cover in my seminars is I really get people focused in on how to find public land hunting. And, uh, you, you know, there's a whole series of maps that are available from the Bureau of Land Management that show land ownership. And you both Forest Service and BLM lands are almost without exception open to hunting. Um, a lot of state trust lands are open to hunting. So if you get the land ownership maps and you go to some of these areas and, and you've got those maps, you know you're golden. I mean, it's that simple. Um, you look at county ordinance information on top of that, and all of that stuff is available online today. Uh, San Diego and San Bernardino counties have great maps available that you can download or put on your, your devices, or you can get printed versions uh, if you're old school guys like us and like to read maps. So between those things, land ownership and knowing what the ordinance information is, you, you should not have a problem finding a place to hunt today in Southern California because we have so much public land around us. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, well, I we know used- the spots I used to hunt are closed. We used to drive down the road, hey, did you see that? Well, this is like a good spot. You have a covey of quail go across the dirt roads. You stop, go out, and you go hunt them. It's not that way anymore. You, you get yourself in trouble if you just do that. You gotta know well, yeah, do. especially if you do it in the urban interface where you know it's private property. If you're doing that out in the Mojave Preserve, I guarantee you the guys that I know that hunt out in the East Mojave on the preserve and both north and south of there, and when I'm talking about the preserve, guys that are avid hunters, I'm talking about that big chunk of land between Interstate 40 and Interstate 15 out in the East Mojave, east of Barstow. Uh, you know, there's just hundreds of thousands of acres out there that's public land that's open. Uh, yeah. There are some parcels that's, that are posted, but most of those are well posted, so you don't have to worry about it. And if you got the maps, and, and, and I'll be honest with you, that country this year is going to be dynamite. Um, that's where the that's where I was telling you earlier. You know, guy saw seventeen coveys of birds and over five hundred. You know, birds he figured between all those coveys, that country out there is going to be great this year. And for people that have never been out there, it is uh, it is one of the prettiest places in the southern part of the state. You know, you drive through on Interstate forty or fifteen going to Vegas, and you think, oh my gosh, this is desolate. You know, desert you know, creosote, nothing country. You, you get up there, and there's places where you get up in elevation 3,500 to 5,000 feet, and you're in pinyon juniper country and Great Basin sage, and oh, yeah. it's just beautiful country out there. And I'm a desert guy. I love the desert, so I, I find it all gorgeous. But that, that country out there is going to be so good this year. And all of those mountain ranges out there from the, the mid-hills to the to the New Yorks, to the Province Mountains, uh, all the way down to the Granites, and then north of the freeway, the Clarks and the Kingstons, and also south of uh, Interstate 40, you know, you're going to see good quail number down in there, and then all along the Colorado River. For your San Diego guys that are shooting out Interstate 8, everything on the river from Yuma on the Arizona side, Winter Haven Bard on the California side, north along that corridor all the way to Blythe, are going to be really good this year. All of those washes, especially the Milpitas wash south of Palo Verde and, and those washes south of there, there's a whole bunch of them, and there's good water in some of those, some natural springs and developed water sources there. And then you have the Colorado River, too. Um, 
I, I know I used to have buddies that used to hunt by boat. They'd take a boat up or down the river and pull it ashore on a sandbar somewhere and anchor it up and then go in and hunt a wash that probably hadn't seen a hunter in 10 years. Um, you're writing all this down with you. Oh, yeah, that, that's a terrific idea. Plus, I know guys that, you know, that like to hunt waterfowl, too, and they'll set up on sandbars in that part of the river. And the waterfowl shooting as they fly up and down the river can be terrific. That's so and, fun. And nobody does that anymore. I mean, there's so many opportunities and so few guys taking advantage of it that there's just a lot to do. Um, and, and, you know, we just, people just can't. You know, those lead shot areas or those steel shot areas or copper? Well, for waterfowl, everything's, everything's non-lead for waterfowl. That's been in place for a long time. But for quail, and, and, uh, for quail everything is lead down there all, on all of those public lands with a couple of little exceptions. There's a couple of state ecological reserves down there. Uh, Palo Verde Ecological Reserve, you have to shoot non-lead. But it's well posted. I mean, it's well marked telling you what you have to do. Uh, and, and it shows up on all the maps, too. Uh, but um, like the Mojave National Preserve, that's part of the National Park Service, but it's open to hunting because it's a preserve. That's the only difference between a park and a preserve. Most people don't know that. The only difference between a national park and a national preserve is that you can hunt on a national preserve. And that's all still open to lead. Well, that's good to know. This is, this is great. This is as good as it gets, guys. You guys are hunters. You listening to Jimmy? Are you, he, that area he's talking like I hunt a lot of deer. I used to hunt deer down in D12. Biggest oh deer, in, the biggest deer in the state. Our state records is comes from down along the Colorado border, Colorado River. There, you would think that it would come from all the habitat of Northern California and Sierras, but no. Them big muleys live down there, and uh, from the Chocolate Mountains up, there is some huge deer, and the area is loaded with game. You, you know, and uh, like like some of the guys have done, you know, like the white sea bass program, which has, you know, helped to revive the white sea bass. And, you know, there's the equivalent thing in in big game. There's a fellow that lives in the Imperial Valley by the name of Leon Lessica, and he started an organization a few years ago called Desert Wildlife Unlimited. Most people know Leon because of all the dove fields that he puts together in conjunction with the Department of Fish and Wildlife in in the Imperial Valley, and these are public fields. He's gone, he knows all the landowners down there, so he's gone and contacted landowners. They have the water rights in the, in the property that they left fallow, and he does plantings down there, and these are the public hunting fields down there. And, we, you know, there are maps of these areas, these public hunting fields that he puts together, and they distribute them all over the valley. I always publish them in my stuff. But what a lot of people don't know about Leon is that Leon has been the prime shaker and mover in putting the same kind of drinkers that Glenn, Glenn Sudmeyer does with the Sheep Society all over that D12 hunting zone for mule deer, desert mule deer. Oh, wow. Those are burrow deer, actually, a different subspecies of different desert species. deer, yeah. And, and since Leon has been doing that, we've been in one of the worst droughts, and deer numbers have, have struggled. But even with the struggling, because they can utilize so much more of that desert habitat because they have places where they can go get a drink, the deer population out there over the last 30 years since Leon has been doing this has, has more than quadrupled. Wow. That's great. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. That's a real fun place to go, too, because it's not like you're not in really high elevations, and the weather is the seasons is in November. It's a great deer season. It used to be a draw. Now you've got to send in for a tag, and it's usually filled up because why? 
the hunter success rate's not the best in the state, but the deer are the biggest. And if you're looking yeah, there's for some nice, great deer down there. Oh and, my and God. You, you you do almost have to you do have to apply in the draw now to get that tag. It's a D12 zone tag, mm-hmm. but uh, if you put it in as your first choice, it is almost a guaranteed draw still today. Uh, I think 97 or 98 percent of the guys who put in with it as their first choice, whether or not they had a bonus point or not, even if if you just put it as a first choice, you got that tag. I have one of those tags this year. That's where I usually hunt. I usually hunt D12 or 17. So D17 is the desert zone just to the north. Yep. Yeah, I I love that country, too. I'm like you, Ron. It's just wonderful, wonderful country. Oh, man, it's it's amazing. The hunt down there is more than a hunt because you get to see everything. I was riding around down there looking for some deer one time, and my son, Neil, said, hey, look at that, Dad. And we found this geode mound. And we must have kind of, we looked there and we picked it up. We must have, we must have picked up 100 geodes just from out in the middle of the desert on just a little pile. What they were doing there, I don't know, but it was beautiful. The rocks are the size of a softball, and they weigh 8 ounces or something, you know. They're all hollow. It's great. A lot of varmints, a lot of quail, a lot of interest, a lot of mines, a lot of old bottles, a lot of, I don't know, it's a good spot. Yeah, and, you know, you know the cool thing about that country is I know a lot of guys that go down there for the dove opener that uh, that fish all those canals and uh, the drains yeah. for the big flathead catfish. You know, they'll catch a couple of live bluegill and fish live bluegill for those big catfish. And they... They, there's 40 and 50 pound flatheads caught almost every weekend of the year down there, yeah. and in the Colorado River, you know, Blythe and Palo Verde area. Uh, it's just amazing. Yeah. This uh, Arizona Game and Fish has done some really interesting flathead catfish work. Uh, if you want a trophy flathead catfish, you fish Walters Camp South. If you want to catch lots of flathead catfish, but the, the ones that aren't as big, you fish Walters Camp North up to the Palo Verde Diversion Dam north of Blythe. Uh, that's they call that the nursery, and they call the other from the, their south all the way to Yuma. They call that the trophy fish section. Oh, yeah, that's good. yeah it's, they've done some really interesting work with flatheads over the last few years. Hey Jim, if a guy wants to get in hooked into your news service, do you have a mail out, or can people like? Is it, Actually, I know you. I, I know you write in Western Outdoor News all the time. How does a guy get dialed into your newsletter? Well, probably the you know all of my the the bird newsletter is a subscription only deal, and they can get all of that information off my website, which again is outdoor news service like three words run together outdoor news service and and uh, the western birds newsletter is there, but all of my other stuff run all of my weekly newspaper stuff, all of my fishing reports are on that site every week free. And they're archived there. So you can look at this week's fishing report and last week's. And you can look at my outdoor, you know, my news reports and my commentaries and columns for the last 6, 8, 12 months uh, that are on that page. Uh, plus, you know, there's some stuff on the Western Birds page. I make a few quail calls. If you're interested in a pretty quail call, I've got that on there. Um, and then all the information on my seminars, whether they're hunting or fishing seminars, mostly hunting these days, but I still do an occasional stream fishing seminar. All of that is on my seminars page on the website, too. Yeah. So it's OutdoorNewsService.com. Yeah, well, you know what? I think you're a true pro, man. you got it going on. You've got it going on as long as I've known you. That is well, the first I'm like the, I, you and I have always gotten along really well <laughs> because we're, we – we think it's kind of our job to be teachers and to get people into this sport. And whether they hunt or fish or both, um, 
You, you know, this heritage is, you know, been my my life, yeah. and I and I mean that in a lot of ways. Um, you know, there's there's probably no better way to get close to God than to go outdoors, and so Amen to this that. Is, you know, that's my temple, and that's yeah. where I go to worship. And the fact that we can also hunt and fish while we're out there and, uh, you know, maybe bring home something for the table or see some incredible scenery and sights and, you know, wildlife happenings while we're out, that just is icing on the cake in my book. You know, I got a report today. My son, Neil, is up on the opening of deer season yesterday. And there's quite a few things. He's up in Humboldt. He lives up in Fortuna. And he sent me a picture where he shot. And the limit's only two now, but he shot two band-tailed pigeons yesterday, so... That's really cool. I, you know, there used to be probably a thousand to fifteen hundred guys that hunted bantails in Southern California every year, from San Diego up uh, yeah. to to Cooley Ridge up by Fraser Park in that country. They used to yeah, shoot the Fraser migratory Park birds when they loaded, came in. And then up by Nasi Meadow. Yeah, all the way up to Nasi, right? You know, and I bet you there's not a thousand guys that hunt them in the whole state anymore. Yeah, I used and, to hunt. And uh, I, I'm trying to. There used to be what. We called it the Bantail Network back in the day, and it was a telephone deal. Back in those days, guys would call each other and, and let them know when the birds were in on a certain place because, you know, they came and went, and so guys, you know, to cash in on the deal, they'd call each other. Mm-hmm. And it was funny. You know, there was probably 40 or 50 guys. I don't know if you remember old Bill Beebe, the guy that used oh, yeah. to write for Western Outdoor News, yeah, the bad. South Coast yep. pilot. Yeah, BB was a part of that and got me hooked into it. And another friend of mine, Derwood Hollis. Well, I'm kind of restarting that through Western Birds. So uh, we're going to make it an email deal now instead of a telephone deal. So whenever we get somebody gets a report or knows when the bandtails are coming in, and, you know, we've got a short nine-day season in southern part in December now. That uh, So we're going to all share our information and start putting that together. So if guys Good. are interested... In the bandtail thing, just send me an email off of the website, and I'll add you to the list. That's all it'll take. Yeah, good deal. Well, Jim, I want to. We're going to take a break. I want to thank you so much. When I, when I got, well, I was told to do this show, asked to do it. I said, you know, I'm going to bring Jim back on because quail's opened up, and I think it was. No, it's wonderful. not open yet. Now, don't get guys excited. No, it's not it opens up. Dove, Dove just closed. The first half of Dove just closed. Quail opens up uh, October twenty first. Oh yeah, right. Well, it's coming along. It's all good. Yeah. If you guys, good. you can take all that info and go out and scout it all out. Well, good. Good, Jim. Thank you so much, man. I always love to I talk really to you guys. It, I appreciate it. Good job. Yeah, good info, Jim. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You know what, Stan? That Jim Matthews is a real pro. Well, he's been doing it forever, and he's been mm-hmm. writing and giving me information forever. Uh, and, and actually, it was a good call. I enjoyed this. You know, we got a lot of the fishing thing, but uh, a lot of that I know that are fishermen, in fact, almost every one of them is a hunter. So yeah. uh, it's all well, good. And, you know, we can add him as good old home day because he was one of our guest hosts on Fish Talk Radio. Oh, That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Kind of like old home where you come. Yeah. Brings tear to my eye, man. Hey, guys, we're going to take a break. Hopefully, we'll get Steve Peterson on from Afternoon Fishing on the Mission Bell, local three-quarter day fishing for a yellowfin tuna in Yellowtail and Dorado. We'll be right back. Take a quick break. AM 540. 
Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth, moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ringed hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Don't you just love California in the summer? Just remember, if you love California and you love to boat, please wear your life jacket and make sure the people you love wear one too. Love California, boat California, save California. Share the love at BoatCalifornia.com. Hey, bass fishermen. Who do you call for your bass boat insurance? Well, if you're not calling me at 1-800-BASS-BOAT for your boat insurance, you're probably paying too much and may not have the coverage that you need. In 1974, I developed the bass boat program it is what all the pros use today. The reason? No depreciation or any partial claim for your hull, your big motor, your trolling motor, or your electronics until your boat's 10 years old. That's right. You only pay $250 to get your boat on the water for any partial claim, and we still pay a stated value replacement cost for your boat if you have a total loss. We're the only people in the industry that does that, and that's why we are the choice of the pros. So if you want the best, forget the rest. Just call 1-800-BASSBOAT. Call 1-800-227-7262 or just spell BASSBOAT. 1-800-BASSBOAT. I know there's too many letters, but the T is free and the call's on me. That's 1-800-BASSBOAT, the choice of the pros for bass boat insurance. For more information, log on to 1-800-BASSBOAT.com. Rod and Reel Radio is now available as a podcast you can subscribe to on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. Get notified as soon as new episodes are available, or go back and listen to our past shows. Browse through all of our archive shows at roddenreelradio.com slash archives, and click the subscribe button to get started listening now. Hey guys, we're back. This is Rod and Reel Radio. What a great guest. Jim Matthews, I hope you guys are listening to that. Got the straight scoop. Check out his service. You know, outdoor news service. You can, he'll keep you posted right up to the opening of the of quail hunting. You know, you know what, Wendy? I think quail, as far as the upland game, is probably one of the most fun birds to shoot. I mean, dove's fun. Don't get me wrong, but there ain't nothing like popping a big covey of quail up and everything. Go, birds going everywhere. That's about that's about as good as it gets, isn't it? Quail and shucker, you know, that that's really fun. And, you know, I don't know if you know, but I have a brand-new bird dog who's going to go to hunt school at the end of October, so I will have a new hunting buddy. So there you I go. Can take him you know, that's the one dog. thing you're going to need because I trained my dogs for years and years and years. I uh, bred, uh, actually, Labradors for, for hunting dogs for and sold them to Ducks Unlimited for their Christmas um, thing every year for the raffle, but... If you don't have a good dog, man, that makes it pretty tough on you. <laughs> Both quail and chucker. Yeah, that's right. Hey, well, we have a guest online. We got my buddy and one of my peers, Steve Peterson's going to call in. He's calling. In. He's in on the line right now from the Mission Bell, who fished today, is going to give us a live on the water report. What's going on, Steve? Give us the dope. Hello, Steve Peterson. Oh no. Oh, well, maybe you don't have him. He's lost in the box for the moment. We can get him. But while we're waiting for him, uh, I did get a uh, an email from somebody that asked to give out James Nelson's information on him. So let me give you Captain James Nelson's phone number. You can either get a hold of him at thefishicon.com 
or you can call them at 619-395-0799. Talk to them direct. Uh, get hooked up with them because um, that, that's one thing. If you're just going to be in the Bay Area for a day, see if you can catch them and go play. That's all i got to say. How's that? Yeah. yeah, I used to do a lot of charters like that. People would just people would snowbird, come to Arizona or something. They're looking for something to do in the winter. And I had a little, I had a little triumph that I guided with, and it just worked out. It was just fun. People loved it. Beautiful weather, you know. Yeah, I think a good little boat. That little triumph boat too. Yeah, it was a great little boat. Yeah. In fact, in fact you insured <laughs> it for me. Those yeah, are, I know those, I are, did. <laughs> those are bullet. Those are bulletproof bolts. Let me tell you, that little triumph, nice little boat. So it's all good. Jorge, did we ever get Steve on the line? Nope, Uh-oh. not yet. I wonder what happened. Well, he well then we'll just have to go back to, you know, the problem with the fishing nowadays is you don't have to go very far, and if you're not going out, you're missing it. <laughs> from, yeah. from Santa Barbara down, the fishing's getting better and better. Actually, now it's better than it's been for months. You know, the only, And the long-range guys, the guys, the seven boats that got permits to go to Guadalupe, and the fish aren't there yet. Uh, they've been oh. down there. There's onesie twosies on the... Uh, the yellowtail, the tuna are there, but the sharks are up to their eyeballs. So uh, the fish not has it hasn't been great. We the stuff that we've been able to go down to uh, Cedros and Bonitas, but now they've got the new rule down there that they made. We're trying to get fixed, by the way. It, hopefully that'll be done uh, this year. Uh, you can't if you've got a boat over 32 feet, you can't go in there and go fishing. Nice. Well, that made it great for the uh, Mexican. The Ponga guys and those cruisers because they don't have a cruiser over 32 feet, so all the commercial guys can fish the islands, and the people that have the uh, concession down there um, can still utilize their boats. And the only way to really fish Benitez and Cedros is go down to Cedros Adventures or hey, one of the Stan, others down there. Or he just called it on my ear and said that Steve's on the line. Let's see if we can get him. He's going to give us a live report. You on there, Steve? I'm here, Ron. Good afternoon. Good evening. Oh, man, go. we've been waiting for you. Give us a report. This is as good as it gets right here. Live report coming into the um, harbor. There is there is some really good yellowfin tuna fishing going on offshore right now. Very Some some boats had really good shots today. Uh, it is hit, kind of hit and miss. We missed. We, we, we did not have a very good day at all. But there was a number of boats that had very good days fishing yellowfin tuna. Uh, three-quarter day. Well, everyone's fishing the same area from... Uh, uh, day and a half and two-day boats all the way to three-quarter day boats are fishing the same area, and there's some hitting and there's some missing. Yeah. The other day you told me that fish kind of moved up to the northwest. Whereabouts is it now? Just for general information for guys that say, you know, I'd like to go try that. Where, where is it? If a guy's got a yacht and he wants to go, where would he go? Uh, it's all the way from the border on down towards the 425 and everywhere in between. Yeah, that's great. I mean, yep. it's a large area that the guys are covering, but the fish seem to be, when they find them, they're they're usually concentrated in a in a half mile box. Uh yes and no. That that was kind of true uh, up until the last. I uh, tell you today today really, there were some boats that did some traveling down to the south and connected, and we were part of that group, and we did not connect. We were up in the morning area where there was a small box. We missed up there, then we missed again down below. We missed everywhere we went. Yeah, well, that's fishing. Well, at least that's good that they're breaking up because that 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 was a pretty positive thing. We were out there. I was on the Top Gun earlier uh, the week here uh, before the weekend, and um, it was 
it was pretty concentrated. We found a group outside, a little outside the box that wanted to play. So I understand that, but I, it's really good if you're finding fish now that are moving up that are outside that small box area or at least starting to spread out. Yeah, there there yeah, oh, more than 10 mile, you know, 10 mile area where you could you had a chance um you know, anywhere in there you had a chance, but you you also had a chance to not catch anything. And what are you catching them on, Steve? Is it all patties or birds or breezers or what do you, what um, do you um kelps, kelps and well, uh, kelps and breezers. Um, not too much bird marking it very often, but kelps and breezers and just sonar marks. That's good. How about yeah. at the islands? What do you hear at the island? Because you were fishing the islands and the, the beach for about a month. A lot of yellow uh, What's was, going on there now? We haven't been there in a few days. Uh, well, in like four, five, six days. But we're going back there on Tuesday. When we got a charter group that, that likes to fish the islands, and they want to fish the islands. So I think we're going to go there on Tuesday or do it. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well... Guys are staying busy. Pretty good area. Pretty good line of fish, I guess. We got the reports today from the up off of Kameni. We've had a good show here today. We've had a I appreciate what if a guy was gonna buy a couple of lures to take on a three quarter day boat, what do you suggest? Uh lures, I'd buy a Shimano flat fall, like a hundred gram Shimano flat fall. If you like uh, also, if you get on a good school, those yellowfin tuna will bite the poppers really well. The, um, the, the Shimano poppers, the Yozuri poppers, the poppers work well. As, you know, and then the Colt snipers and all those, those things work well, too. But if I had just one lure to buy, I'd probably buy a 100-gram or 100-gram fall. really well. And then yeah. if it works well. Where are you at? You're kind of breaking up. Are you, are you inside the point or are you outside the point still? I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. I said you're breaking up. Where are you? Outside the point still coming in? I'm just getting inside the bay. Yeah, that's probably why. It's hard to get reception. All right, well, I want to thank you, Steve, for doing this. Maybe we'll hit you again next week. Good luck to you on Tuesday at the islands, and good luck to you what you're doing. Be safe, okay? Thank you. All right, thanks a lot for having me on, Ron. We'll talk to you later. Have a good show. Yeah, that's good. Well, that's good, Stan. That fish made a little move, wasn't it? That, you know, it's good for everybody. Um, if you're going to go out there, you know, that fish ate, you didn't have to fish light line. We were fishing 25 and 30. And I don't, even when you threw iron, we were throwing 40 and, and some guys 50 if you wanted to load the wagon on it. When you find them, they want to cooperate. Same thing with the yellowtail. If you're headed out and you're headed over to San Clemente or, and, uh, or the islands north, um, once you get on the fish, 25 and 30 will get you bit. Use a 2 hook. Um, fluorocarbon can make a difference. I was fishing just straight, clear, maxima, 25 and 30 for the most part. And the fish wanted to bite fine. When you yeah. get on the bigger fish, don't be shy. Fish big line. Give yourself a chance. Oh, yeah. How about you, Wendy? What do you got planned for the rest of the week, this next week? You got any fishing trips coming up? Well, I... In fact, I do. I am going to be fishing with uh, Kurt Itagawa, Dave Rare, and Merritt McCray, and we're going to go on the Tuna Jihad and go target those big bluefin again. Oh. Yeah, girl, now we're talking. <laughs> go for it, man. <laughs> I need my bluefin. I don't yeah, have you know, you, bluefin you, in you, the preview you, this year. You told me you lost all this weight. Are you going to be able to pull on a 200-pounder? Oh, she's in great shape now. I know she's she ready is. to go. 
You know, I've been I've been going to the gym too. You want you don't believe I dumped twenty five pounds, Stan. I, I'm ready to go. I'm almost a oh, fight man. weight. You and Wendy can get after it now. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, we have to get all of us together and go fishing again. We haven't you done that. Do that, yeah. that would be a good idea. Yeah. That, that would be a lot of fun. <laughs> I guess this big... time, Ron won't drive the boat, so Ron gets to fish. How's that? Yeah, you don't have to drive. That would be a better idea. Well, you know, I don't know. My, you know, I renewed my license. I went down, got, went through the physical, did my agility, did it all, renewed my license, and I'm on my 11th issue. So I've had my license for 50 years. And I wanted to do that, just to say I had it. And I'm going to use it again. I don't know what. I didn't go do that STCW because I didn't think I could, with my back, I didn't think I could do that part of it. But if you well, there's fish, something to be said for if you, once you hurt yourself, if you can get yourself back in in shape again, and, and, yeah. and now you're not the insurance liability that you were before. Well, I, you, well what happened? injure an injury. I, I was sitting around, and I got, I was just down. I had everything kind of going against me. It's easy to get down. And I finally realized it. My doctor told me, what are you doing? I said, so I, I went to a meeting for what to eat, learned how to eat, joined the gym. Beautiful. Five nights a week, I go to the gym. It's great. Yeah, that was trouble. <laughs> you know what, Stan? Watch out. Captain Ron's of... going to be out there hitting the dance floor all over again. Well, I'd love With to do that. That's I'd right. Like to, I'd like to go two-stepping. That sounds like fun. That's right. <laughs> all right. As soon as, as, soon, as, soon as you uh, get the okay and you're all better, teach me how to two-step. Well, hey, Wendy. Like we run out of time again. Yeah. You guys, thanks a lot, man. I'll be here next week. John's over. I mean, he's over, Cassidy's over in Ireland for a couple more weeks, so I'm putting together a show. Thank you again, Jim Matthews, Outdoor News Service. You guys get dialed into that thing. He'll keep you dialed in, guaranteed. So. Rod Real Radio. See you next week. See you next week. Thank you. Buy a shady, pool.